0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman. A few years ago, I wrote and performed a solo show called The Edge of Every Day, which was an exploration of the rough edges and contradictions we all face and grapple with. The show hit a nerve, and the relevance of the topic would only grow over time more than I could have foreseen. So, here we are. Real Talk with Real People. Sharing stories and perspectives that from spark from provocative baby. invitations to leap out of what's safe. Pressing on the edge of Pressing every day. Down Thanks on for me. listening. Down on you, no Hello, everyone. We are live in the hive. And thank you for joining me on this, the 17th episode of the Edge of Every Day here on talkradio.nyc. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, and for those of you who don't know me yet, I encourage you to check out my bio on talkradio.nyc, or of course, you can visit my website, sandrabargeman.com, or tune in to any of my previous episodes. In a nutshell, this show is about celebrating triumphs, pushing boundaries, and exploring rough edges through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we're resistant to change, those places where paradoxes and contradictions live in our beliefs and our understandings, both about ourselves and about the world around us, those places we don't want to look. Listen, we live in turbulent times, and we are coming to understand that life isn't black or white. It must be an embrace of both. And the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks again for tuning in. And without further ado, it's time to introduce our guest this evening. Joan Michelson, MBA, is an award winning creative business and communications leader, journalist, public speaker, career transition coach, and creator, executive producer, and host of the podcast Electric Ladies, formerly known as Green Connections Radio a specialist in the green space and a lifelong advocate for women in leadership. Joan's work has included Chrysler's global electric motor cars, the U S department of energy, clean energy Alliance, small business partnership, earth day network, the top green private equity firm, global environment fund and the national council for science and the environment. As a highly regarded journalist, Joan is published across media platforms, including in Forbes, HuffPost, TheAtlantic.com, The New Economy Magazine, Green Biz, ABC News, 60 Minutes, CBS News, and many others. Her acclaimed podcast series, Green Connections Radio, was chosen by USA Today as one of the top six podcasts. Joan interviews movers and shakers in business, Government, journalism, academia, the arts, and nonprofits focused on innovations in energy and sustainability, mostly women, and has been nominated for the prestigious White House Champion of Change Award and the C3E Award, all in 2015. A dynamic public speaker, Joan has addressed many business, professional, green economy, and women's conferences and events nationwide. This month is Women's History Month, and tomorrow, March 8th, is International Women's Day. The theme of Women's History Month this year is Providing Healing, Promoting Hope, Mm -hmm. and I've chosen four women for my four Monday night conversations on the edge of every day this month that do just that. Provide healing and promote hope for women committed to the upliftment and advancement of other women, and I am thrilled to kick off all of that with Joan Michelson. Welcome, Joan.
1: Thank you, Sandra. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's wonderful oh, to be here. I'm it's... I'm complimented to be on your show. So, oh, thank you. well,
0: I'm absolutely I, I'm thrilled that you said yes. I'm thrilled to have you. I'm thrilled to share your work with our listeners. Your incredible work, your unbelievable tendrils and accomplishments, and trying to fit, fit that all into one hour radio show is quite a feat. <laughs> We're going to see if we do it. So let's let's dive in. So to begin with, because it's it's Women's History Month, um, I've asked Joan to share. She's just published to uh, Forbes, Forbes Women, their online blog, um, an incredible article that celebrates the women making history today, the women of Ukraine. So if you can share a little bit about that article, we can give our thanks to these women, our gratitude, and we can light our candles in prayer. So share a little bit about that article and where people can find it.
1: Well, it's, yeah, I'm privileged to write for Forbes, and I write on women, particularly in the energy, sustainability, climate, corporate responsibility space. And um, full disclosure, my maternal grandparents were from Ukraine. They were born in Ukraine and came to the United States as small children, um, escaping the Russian pogroms in the early 1900s um and my paternal grandparents are from latvia and lithuania so needless to say i have a personal connection to the um, atrocities going on in ukraine perpetrated by russia right now and at the same time i can't help but notice that there are extraordinary women doing what you just described providing healing and promoting hope and they're doing it in really creative ways and by the way all the women that i interview on my show and they're all women except a handful of men i interviewed in the beginning um are are doing that too and that's what i love about innovation it's creating the kind of innovation that i talk about is positive innovation it's creating making things better Mm -hmm. and the women that i highlighted in my story today are an array of it come from an array of, of perspectives. Linda Thomas Greenfield, of course, at the United Nations. Um, um, ambassador Oksana Marko- Markova, who is the ambassador from the Ukraine, who got the standing ovation, extended bipartisan standing ovation at the State of the Union address. Yeah, truly extraordinary. Um, and then I also highlighted the undersecretary for nuclear energy since the nuclear facility was attacked and the and the women highlighting the uh, developing the sanctions because we forget Janet Yellen is secretary of the Treasury. Okay, we have the first female secretary of the Treasury. Um, And then I also highlighted the women experts in Russian history and Putin who have been counseling multiple presidents for years and believe and frankly, It's my own prism, but the journalists as well, because these are women who are putting themselves in harm's way to make sure that the truth gets out. And they are telling hopeful stories as well as the difficult ones. Um, And they're they're just an array of amazing people, including, of course, the women in the refugee camps who are helping these people who are traumatized on every level try to find some level of comfort in a strange land with no resources.
0: Truly, and the women who have learned, have jumped in to the war effort with rifles and no previous background in this. It's just been mind-blowing. So both Joan and I have lit our candles for, and Dylan, our wonderful technician, have lit a candle tonight For the people of Ukraine and the people around the world, this, you can't really see it because of my uh, backdrop, but it does uh, my green screen because it says, actually, you. you might be able to, it says freedom. So we light a candle for them, for your ancestors, Joan, for people around the world. And so it is.
1: And so it is. And so it shall be. Amen. Whew.
0: So the reason
1: the, the reason the reason that i wanted i just want to say this the reason that i wanted to highlight them in this auspicious time is because they are making history they mm-hmm. are transition. They, they're they're making they're they're making positive history from catastrophe um and they're they're bringing healing directly and they are making history and they're trying to change histories yeah trajectory
0: certainly more women in the geopolitical understanding than i've ever seen
1: yes exactly
0: it's it's just incredible
1: exactly and these are the women whose stories i tell and in fact in in also full disclosure my um my great great aunt um her brother was born in poland but she was born in the united states my great great aunt was a renowned reporter at the turn of the century and she was one of the few female reporters and um sorry this is my copy which is pretty beaten up at this point
0: which um, one i've i've ordered today
1: <laughs> thank you
0: i'll send it to you for an autograph
1: yes absolutely please do she we can deliver it and then i can actually meet you that would be exciting that would be swell the um but aunt miriam was quite a pistol darling i mean she would fit right in with us she was a reporter who helped literally get the 19th Amendment ratified. She even gave directions to to the readers, the women who were reading her columns and her articles on where to go to connect with the movement.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Kept it on the front pages, kept people engaged. Now she transitioned from what I've read, she transitioned uh, or, or continued with her journalism, and also did she got into more fiction writing using her incredible journalistic talent with apparently a, a great ear for a great you know obviously as a journalist you have to have a great ear for a story but but that's not the same it's not the same kind of writing so apparently she was able to to weave it in with some pop culture and wrote. What was the name of the uh this um
1: the superwoman
0: the superwoman and this was a book uh we can trace to modern day wonder woman
1: it was considered source material for wonder woman comics she also by the way to tie in with your background she wrote plays ah! and did and one of her plays was made into a movie and her plays were about women in the Senate before there were any women in the Senate.
0: Oh, my Lord. Absolutely incredible. So the name of the book is The Superwoman, and it has a foreword written by you, the wonderful Joan Michelson, by her great aunt, Miriam Michelson, who had two uh, apparently speck— journalism and telling uh, incredible stories and uplifting people is in your DNA it's a beautiful thing
1: it is and uh, she was so renowned that when her brother won the Nobel prize he was introduced as her brother <laughs> <laughs> right. and this is 1907 people so this that's... is like not yesterday yeah imagine what wow. the world was like
0: well that's An incredible story and an incredible place for us to take our first break. And when we come back, we will dive in to Joan's podcast, The Electric Ladies, among many other topics. So stay tuned. The edge of every day.
3: Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
0: electric lady, Joan Michelson. (laughs) So we have a lot to talk about. Um, Your podcast, your journalism, how you've gotten into the climate movement, ESG economy, what is it and why does it matter? Edge walking, intrapreneurism, and innovation. So I have a quote, that It's going to set up you telling the story about um, you, the most recent interview you did for your podcast, which I got to hear about this morning and uh, in our pre-conversation, it's just mind-blowingly beautiful. So here's the quote. I can promise you that women working together, linked, informed, and educated, can bring peace and prosperity to this forsaken planet, Isabel Allende, who was a novelist and speaker and, and wrote about women's lives. So tell us the story about this incredible interview that you had this very morning and just published to your podcast.
1: So I went to the huge UN climate conference in Glasgow in November.
0: COP26. Yeah.
1: COP26 and me and 30,000 of my best friends from all <laughs> over the world. And it was extraordinary, overwhelming, um, inspiring, incredible. And I wrote about that, too, in Forbes, and I interviewed several people there. And one of the people that I connected with when I was there, but I did not have a chance to actually interview, is this woman uh, named Rosemary atieno who is from Women's Climate Centers International. Mm. And she also has her own entity called uh, Compe cooperation. Anyway, it's women's empowerment through positive uh, thinking and positive empowerment, I believe, is the P and the E. And when I heard about her, I was determined to interview her because she's doing something that is kind of the epitome of what Electric Ladies is about. She's transforming entire communities and individual lives by helping them find eco-conscious solutions to daily problems in rural Africa. So these women who can't get who have, for example, she told me the story of a community that was having a spike in cholera. And she tracked it down to the fact that the homes did not have adequate water, potable water. water, clean water and the various systems around that so where in western nations we would say well we need a filter or we would need this big contraption whatever she just gets down to where they are start with where you are like what stream do you go to and how do you where do you get your water from tonight yes and then she she ultimately make a very long story short you could listen to it, it airs at seven thirty tomorrow morning on electric ladies podcast but she talks about how that problem, solving that problem and the way that they helped create some simple solutions, transformed the entire community, built new businesses. The woman whose problem it was built a new house, they you know, her husband is now working for her, and everybody is healthy, and cholera went away in the community. It went from like the equivalent of 100 to zero.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: yeah, literally. Quite literally. And it's just amazing. And it all started with and she's teaching them. So think about this in the process they're learning. And most of these people are illiterate. So they're learning. They're becoming literate. They're learning to read and write basics. They're learning English. Exactly. They're learning English and Swahili. They're in Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa, Uganda. They're learning business skills. They're learning all kinds of business skills and they're boosting their confidence and going back to school.
0: And solving climate issues.
1: And solving, purifying the water, reducing their carbon footprint. They were using horrible firewood to, that was polluting the air that was horrible. And she figured out how to help them get energy in a sustainable way and freed up their time that was the other thing with the water solution was it freed up the women's time instead of having to go to the lake to get water dirty water from a dirty lake she figured out a way to help them figure out a way so that then all of a sudden they had all this free time because they did not have to go to the lake so it's a win-win-win-win-win i mean it's just these are this is exactly this is healing and hope personified this is um, I love your framing of the edge of every day, because this is taking an everyday problem, finding the edge of it yes, and solving that edge. And it just creates a bouquet of roses, indeed, magical innovation that transforms entire lives and communities and economies yeah. and saves the planet. The process. I mean, wow.
0: Well, and I remember, I don't know what which one of the many plethora of things I listened to, that, but that's something that you touched on over and over again, was that how am I paying attention to w- the problem where I am, which really hit home for me, you know, that your story right now and in these other places that I heard it hit home for me, particularly post-COVID, when we have really been thrown into how am I connecting to my my in my face community, and what are the steps that I need to take to solve these issues?
1: So, you know, there's something I want to pull out here, which you and I didn't talk about before, but I'm going to do it now anyway, and that is mm-hmm. the impact of COVID. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I wrote about and I ended up doing some speaking about as well and some workshops is, you know, so many people on the planet were complaining about being lonely
0: yeah.
1: and spending too much time alone.
0: solution yeah.
1: So I flipped it over and I talked about the gifts of solitude. Now, you and I are creative people, so that's our natural instinct is to just go create. But what I what I did was I helped people think about getting to know who they are in this solitude, getting to getting to read books they never read or do things that they hadn't read done before and enjoy. I mean, people would say to me, you know, I'm taking more walks outside now than I ever did. And it's gorgeous. And I never really appreciated it before. I'm, you know, I'm uh, one of the women I interviewed finished her PhD. <laughs> you know, she'd been trying to do for years. People are, I mean, I know people who finished books and did all kinds of things and turned their, uh, their in-person event into a hybrid uh, part in-person and online event. They're people who I had been in, invited in communities to go to events in person, but I couldn't go to because they were in California or whatever. I'm on the East Coast or even Australia and Malaysia. Now, I could be with them all the time because everybody's online. Yeah, And absolutely. so it's finding that that positive place. Line. Yeah. And it's I don't you know, it, it sounds kind of trite. But it's more than that because it's nurturing who you are and finding your, your voice on a different level that's to me is more profound and self-discovery.
0: Well, I, I think uh, you know, some people thrived, and I think some other people went kicking and screaming and eventually got there because that's the overall message of COVID that there, there was no getting away from, "I will be polished by this. I, I may not want to be. Some of us are going to dive in and, and, and use that time beautifully. Others of us are going to scream and yell, and, but eventually we too will be polished. Um, I, I do believe that that was that, that is, and it's certainly I know in my, my circle, uh, everyone has been called forward and, and been polished and came to realize some things about themselves during this time that having been forced to sit in it that they've never known.
1: Exactly. And you know, they didn't they couldn't just run to go to dinner what they ate, what they, yeah. you know, exercise everything.
0: And they distracted themselves with. They had yeah a and they, in it.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned ESG. I wrote about this as well. I think the the one of the most profound shifts from COVID and the convergence of COVID and climate and the social the reemergence of the social justice movements. Yeah. Was this shift in companies and the really everything and now it's become a geopolitical strategy into this space of ESG. E is the is environment, S is social, G is governance and governance is basically accountability, reporting, metrics, holding people That's accountable for enforcing. Yeah, exactly. And so what happened during COVID was what had be, been an interesting Um, investment strategy that was kind of on the side, a little niche, became foundational. I did stories on the fact that ESG-rated stocks outperformed the market during COVID and continue to, but it became necessary that companies and organizations had to focus on environment in terms of, hey, we now have clean air because nobody's driving and flying. (laughs) Hey, we need to look at the environment of where we work. I mean, the workplace will never be the same, right? Oh, no. And, and obviously,
0: Nothing will ever be the same. No. no. And obviously
1: back. social is diversity, but it's also how you treat everybody in your world. It's suppliers, customers, st- any kind of stakeholders, your community that you're in, mm. um, as well as the making sure you have diversity on your board, et cetera. And so that was the other profound paradigm shift that was it it became a more caring a more uh uh an economy more driven by people and planet than just by
0: profit and and we and you wrote it speaking of Forbes, you wrote another fantastic article about how the not that i want to get back into the war again but but you but it it has helped us understand this esg and again to put a bow on that e environment s social g governance and our understanding all of us for those of us this might be a new phrase for you getting on board with how that economy shows up in the world and how that's really emerging and joan does exquisite work on that we've got two more minutes left. so i
1: just want to i just want to tie that up and explain what you referred to so what i wrote is that the strategy for dealing with the Ukraine, the attack on Ukraine mm-hmm. is really an ESG strategy because it's yeah. the environment of where these people are. And it's the environment in terms of Europe is now transitioning to clean energy on the turn of a dime.
0: dime. They had
1: it in process and they are like, I mean, they've literally flipped switches. OK, I'm sure. And I interview these
0: people at COP26 that yes. probably pre- talked about it but now they're there
1: that's right and everything and they're they're speeding up everything i interviewed a woman from uh, who's a co-president of the club of rome which is all world leaders it's amazing mm. and then you obviously have the social component and the accountability the enforcement the sanctions the the holding everyone accountable for their behavior yeah. uh, it's, it's really it's really profound
0: it's changed everything indeed it has Well, that's a perfect time for us to take our next break. So when we come back with Joan Michelson, we will get into how she went from her journalism and business work and had the fire lit to move into the green community and how she then started this wonderful podcast, The Electric Ladies. When we come back with Joan Michelson on the Edge of Every Day. Stay tuned. Joan Michelson. Okay, so you uh, had again. We need a, we need three hours to talk about all the wonderful <laughs> things you've done. So you were in broadcast journalism, and you moved into more corporate journalism, as you called it, and then made through that made your transition into the green space. Tell us how that happened. So
1: I spent most of my career really writ large um all of it be bouncing back and forth between corporate communications marketing I, and journalism mm. and i had worked at deloitte and american express and doing management consulting and worked with some smaller firms and then i would go i also did as you mentioned earlier tv worked at 60 minutes and tv news magazine shows and um other media and then kind of from mars i was offered an opportunity to head up i was here in dc to head up communications and co-head the sales and marketing of the electric car division of chrysler that's the global electric motor cars you mentioned i didn't own a car at the time i didn't live there i'd never worked in the car business the word vehicle or automotive was nowhere in my resume in fact i don't even think they ever saw my resume I met someone at a luncheon who I was talking to. I didn't know who I was talking to, till later it turned out to be the president of the division, who the next morning called me and said, are you happy and started recruiting me and drumroll, please, move this New York City born and bred check to, brace yourself everybody, Fargo, North Dakota. Oh my yes, it was cold, the weather was brutal, but you know what? It was the best job of my life in many ways, changed my life forever. I fell in love with the industry. Because think about it. It's amazingly smart people doing really cool things that are making the world a better place. They're making money at it with integrity. yes, And they're having fun. Yeah, Like, what's wrong? What could be possible? And so I got catapulted into meeting all these amazing people, whether it were, they were in nonprofits or government or entrepreneurs or the, the big Fortune 500 companies. And I've been in the space ever since. And so then when my division was sold and Chrysler blew up or Chrysler blew up and my division was sold, um, I came back to DC and I was doing journalism and public speaking and some consulting. And somebody came up to me at an event and said, I'd like you to do a radio show on our network. And I'd been thinking about shows. I mean, I'm a creator, I'm a producer. I'm always got, you don't wanna see the list of ideas that I have. Um so I initially called us for years I called it Green Connections Radio. And I did that on purpose because I didn't want to genderize it even though I was going to interview 90% women and I have since gone to 100% women. And I went back and forth about it, but I did it as Green Connections Radio initially and then last October just a few months ago I mean, I had been thinking about rebranding for a while. This was one of my projects during COVID, was I rebranded my show to Electric Ladies Podcast, decided to own the girl thing, and completely designed a whole new website and did everything new, um, which is a major task, but it was fun, and and it was great, and I'm really glad. And so I did, I call it Electric Ladies for many reasons, which are also on my website, electricladiespodcast.com. But that they those reasons just really quickly are the things that you and I have been talking about, which is that women find creative solutions and supercharge results. Obviously, we're covering electricity and energy that um, electricity and energy are innovation tools that grow economies and create jobs and solve problems, making the world a better place. Mm. And so that's how I got into this space. And then by doing the journalism and the podcast and and I would get invited to speak. I get invited to write. I get invited to, you know, gee, can you help me with X? I do a lot of writing on ESG. So companies come to me and say, we're doing this ESG thing. You know, can you help? Yada, yada. And so it just evolved. And because I write a lot about careers, people come to me and say, you know, you've written about blah, blah, blah. Can you help me? and and it evolves and so i love it because it's working with people who are all in this purpose focused space yes of finding solutions that to your theme are providing healing and hope
0: well and it also you and i spoke about the edge walking and the entrepreneurship and how all your your thought process all of the ways that you work and all of the ways, I mean, it was instrumental. This quality that you have was instrumental at Chrysler. I mean, they bring in somebody that, that I mean, did you even know how to drive? Oh, well, I had,
1: I love to drive. I learned to drive in New York City, Sonda. Oh,
0: okay. So, okay, so I were, think, I, I think. You were was mean a, on the streets.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I just didn't own a car at the time, but I find gotcha. that, that I think people who learn to drive in New York City should have a special driver's license, but there you have I it. I
0: agree. I agree. That's my love bias. it. But anyway um but yes this this ability to live at the edge of the edge walk as i call it and of innovation of of connecting systems and understandings uh, speak to us about that work within the chrysler within your podcast and within the work that you're doing now how are you an an entrepreneur and how are you an edge walker
1: well one of the things that i discovered is um is a gift that i have and it took me a while to call it that um one of my clients calls it you know we all have superpowers right is i have an ability to connect dots that other people haven't seen connect and to then develop and execute a strategy that connects them in a way that creates exponential results Mm. so for example at chrysler I developed partnerships with organizations that initially my boss, who's the president of the division, completely thought I was nuts. He was like, what? How's this? And when we did them, we ended up having creating massive exponential results because it brought together the it leveraged the multidimensionality of what everybody was bringing to the table. So I create these multi-dimensional partnerships and we did. We got parking spaces for electric vehicles in the front. Like you have um, handicapped spaces. We got um, legislation passed to allow cars, the certain are these cars on the streets, which, believe it or not, they aren't everywhere. I mean, all these different yeah. things that ultimately helped grow our sales. Yes. But they made things better for everybody and increase the adoption of electric vehicles, which reduces the carbon footprint and helps save the planet. Yes. And by the way, one of the strategies I used was going to women, women car buyers, because if you look at the research, people say, oh, men over, you know, 55 and up buy cars and they're blah, blah, blah. No, if you actually look at the data, it's a couple. The first of all, more women are buying cars now themselves. But if they look at the data, the what happens is in a couple, the person who you know who's doing the survey or they get a survey and they say, you know, I'm to the person who buys the car, they'll hand it to the husband. But if you, what really happens is the wife says, "Here, honey, here's five cars. I'll drive. Pick one." <laughs> who's picking the car?
0: <laughs> More brilliant moves by women, knowing how to walk the edges brilliantly. Oh my God, I love that so much. Okay, so we have a comment here from Cassidy Jerzak. Oh. Jerzak. Uh I hope I'm pronouncing that, Cassidy, properly. Hi, Joan. I was wondering what your most favorite job you've ever had.
1: Oh, wow. Well, there's so many. Um, I mean, I love what I do <laughs> I now, to be honest. You. I love working with people. But-
0: I can't imagine you choosing you of all people choosing one
1: yeah no in you know obviously working at 60 minutes was extraordinary okay let's just say that um chrysler was really cool because i had the latitude and the internal support Mm. to really make things happen and even though i was living in brutal barbaric weather i shouldn't use the word barbaric at the moment but anyway um i used to joke that they should trade places with the polar bears. I was using my skills in a way where I was support. I'll tell you a quick, funny story. So the president of the company would walk into the door jam of his office and he'd just look up and he'd go, uh-oh, there she is. Okay, I know you're here to take me out of my comfort zone. Give me a minute. Put his <laughs> hands on the side of his on the arms of his chair. He goes, okay, try me. And I'd come in with some crazy idea and he'd go, what I go, Rick, it's not going to cost you anything. I got the dealers doing blah, 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 blah. I going blah, 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 blah. And he'll go, OK, OK. And we did enough of those. And then we get on the cover of The Wall Street Journal or The Washington Post or we get in Time magazine. I had a reporter for Time magazine driving around, driving, doing driving our car around New York City, including Central Park for four hours. Oh my and they did a video of it and aired it on the website with a whole story big spread in time magazine and he's like how did you get from and i go it's rick it's okay <laughs> <laughs> we did a methane free christmas delivering toys without the reindeer he thought i mean he really thought i'd flipped my lid when i did that one but we got it went viral like nobody's business it was like oh, the greatest, you know the hot thing on yahoo and google and whatever and he's like this is so why and I'll go Rick it's okay <laughs> you know, so you know that that I, I think that was my favorite because I was able I had support I had resources to do stuff and we were we were making the world a better place doing creative stuff and yeah. generating real metrics with Indeed. cool people
0: yeah we, well and to, what a gift to have had that I mean to, so many of us. Would just love to have that kind of unbridled support and respect for being able to think in that way.
1: Yeah, and it you know it kind of goes to something that, that you and I have talked about and, and a bit around today tonight, and that is work from where you are, mm-hmm. right? Um, some people would say to me, "Oh, like you know, I can't really reduce the carbon footprint of my." Campus because there's so many obstacles and I go, well, you can get electric vehicles for the campus facilities. Here you got tax credits, you got you know the funding for from the government, you know from these acts, whatever, you know that makes a difference. And I go, oh, yeah, you know,
0: check, even check out what's available, what's even um, what they even have on the table. At all. and maybe you're just asking starts the ball rolling. Just well, that's true. It's the ball rolling. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I find I have coaching clients who come to me and say, Well, you know, I want to work in the green economy, so I have to quit my job and look at a nonprofit or whatever. And I go, <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. You can, you know, start a green club where you are, or talk to them about using recycled paper, or, you know, talk about the recycling program or get involved in volunteer work. I mean, there you don't know what else is going on at your company that yeah, you might indeed. be able to do.
0: Well, we're going to talk more about that. We're going to go to break and we will continue with Joan's coaching, her many faceted coaching that she does when we come back on the edge of every day with Joan Michelson. Stay tuned.
2: Join us every Tuesday at 4pm Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behaviour to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4pm, every Tuesday, for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on Mm talkradio.nyc.
0: And we are back with Joan Michelson on the edge of every day. So, I have a quote to move into, um, and a quick little story to move into your coaching. Um, The quote is an Amelia Earhart quote, so perfect for the coaching clients. The most difficult thing is the decision to act, the rest is merely tenacity. So true. So I heard, you know, listening to the, the multitudinous number of things that I did in my research of you, I just loved <laughs> how you, it goes on and on, people, it just goes on and on. Um, I, I really loved how you worked with your coaching clients and, and the young people in your life and, and just sharing what advice you would give. For instance, when I was a dean of first-year students at the seminary through which I was ordained, I had uh, students that would come to me and want to consider changing jobs because they wanted something that was more spiritual. And I would ask them, "What? what is that? What does that mean? And, you know, and of course it would get down to something that, that quite literally looked more spiritual, like potentially having a, a moving into a position where you spoke a lot in front of Uh, A congregation etc etc maybe a massage job whatever that might be but it looked more stereotypical and I said but everything you can have a spiritual and bring a spiritual depth and understanding to any job and quite frankly that's what these communities and systems need is your depth and understanding and spiritual awakening within those systems. It made me think of that story when I listened to you talk about overlaying this lens of, wait a second, you can go out, you can turn any place that you are. Well, I'll let you talk to it. I'll let you pick that up there because your coaching is transitional and it's also book. So you'll connect those two and tell us how you work with your clients
1: so what i do is i focus on obviously what's coming up for them at the moment that is causing them to reach out to a coach of any kind and what i do is i you know i listen to that and i make a bazillion notes i'm a copious note taker obviously and um i write down keywords that they're using words that they're using that pop up for me they might not be key to them but they're they're illustrative or they resonate. Yeah. And then I, I actually, I have a process that I go through with my clients, but even in a, what I'll call a mini mentoring moment, I'll say, well, what parts of you do you want to give a voice to now? because we evolve and i don't frame it as young people versus whatever people i mean we're all going through transitions i mean i talk to some people who say well you know i don't know i don't want to go to grad school yet. I i don't know what i want to do whatever it's like you're going to change careers every five years or something so give that up really quickly right (laughs) um and but but especially in today's world but it's also actually it's a good thing because we evolve as humans we, we, we get mastery on something or we discover that we don't like something or we get to the been there, done that part. And we want to, you know, do something else. We want to use another part of who we are. And so it's not just, you know, do I have to quit working for Procter & Gamble because I want to do something more sustainable or more purpose driven? It's, well, what can you do in your job today and how can you frame reframe what you're doing today so that it serves this internal need that you have and you know what your organization may have opportunities for you to play in that sandbox that you don't even know about have you talked to your boss about it have you talked to your hr department about it have you checked out all of the different myriad divisions of these big companies i had one coaching client who had been trying to build an innovation unit at her big mother company of fortune 10 company I think actually and finally got an opportunity to do so and she was frustrated because they weren't giving her the title of head of the unit and I'm like you're building the unit you're hiring everybody you're developing the vision you're developing the purpose you're doing it yeah whether you know whatever they they call whatever they call it yeah yes we want to get you the compensation and whatever eventually but you're doing it so why don't you just do it and create the image that you want and she wanted to do it i met her at an energy conference so she's an energy innovator and so it's that kind of thing it's it's like look at what's in front of you and what the assets are internal assets and i'm not just talking about what kind of car you drive i'm talking about what are your internal assets and what are your what are the assets in your network what are the and what can you create and one of the ways that that I do help people build their brand in whatever this new way they want to express themselves is, is by writing and putting out content on the web. And that can be for free at LinkedIn or Medium, you know, for example, um, uh, a lot of people say, I want to do a podcast. and I'm like, you don't know, how much work it is. So let's also stuff like that. Um, But uh, sometimes I hear in their speaking or in their portfolio of work that they've created um, that there's a book. And so I've ended up helping people, uh, become a book coach and helping people find, develop a book and write a book. I don't write it. I help them write it. That is at this intersection in the Venn diagram of your life, which is, the message you really, really, really want to get across, which is a process to find that, what you, where your expertise and your credibility is today and what the market is yearning for, where the market gap is, because we don't, you know, we want to make money off this book. We want to use it. Do you want to use it to get more speaking gigs? Do you want to use it to get a new job? Do you want to use it to show the world that you are, not just an expert in healthcare, you're also an expert in energy i mean do you ha- what do you how, what do you want to use it for and where is the market for that mm. and then i help them connect with editors agents publishers etc i don't do really self-publishing i mean i do hybrid i work with hybrid. hybrid publishers because the the just to give your audience a little bit of a lesson on that hybrid publishers in effect bring the best of both worlds you pay them but you don't pay them that as much and they bring their professional public they come from harper mcgraw hill yeah Hachette, whatever and they bring those professional packaging and marketing skills, skills to your and they edit the heck out of your book so you got to be prepared for
0: that and you and you keep your own intellectual content
1: yes and you also keep 70 percent of the proceeds but you are putting up a you know several thousand dollars to to you know for their expertise it's not for it's not getting an advance and i do both some some people can get a traditional publisher and some books just don't would not attract it or don't want to go through the process of doing that
0: so if if either of those coaching models are, are appeal to you you can go to your website is
1: electricladiespodcast.com <laughs>
0: And she's got a wonderful section for just her coaching. And all of her contact information is available on, on her website. And you are ubiquitous on social media. Um, I am. Well, and I'll also say that if
1: anybody wants, um, like a, you know, 30 minute free coaching session to explore what's going on with them to, to go to the website, reach out to me or on Twitter or LinkedIn, but mention that you heard me on the edge of every day. Mm -hmm. And that'll be your golden ticket, if you will. And, um, and then we can set up a time to, to chat because I want people to be who they want to be, and I. By the way, I don't only work with people in the energy space. I mean, I've got a musician client. I've got a, you know, yes. a, a lot of my my um, corporate ish clients are in the ESG area, but a lot. Sometimes my book coaching clients are not. You know, they're they can they can range. So it just yeah, it depends on what the messages you want to get across and and who you want to be in the world. And what I love about what you're doing is you're emphasizing with the edge of the the edginess is allowing people to be the spark, be the catalyst and not have to worry about bleeping, fitting in. And just to pull on that for a second, you mentioned earlier about being an entrepreneur. Being an entrepreneur is about being a spark and a catalyst. I mean, when I was at Chrysler, I didn't you didn't want me building your engine or knowing having I mean, my boss said to me, you were so successful because you weren't bogged down. By the way, everything is done in the car business. And so cool. give yourself permission to be the spark to be different and ask any question. There are no stupid questions. And if they're going to roll <laughs> their eyes at you, then that's not people that you want to hang out with. OK, Amen. there's always going to be somebody in the room who wants the same who has the same question.
0: Indeed. So, electricladiespodcast.com. You can find Joan Michelson on Twitter, Insta, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can also find um, Electric Gals Pod as well on, I think, Uh, that's Twitter or
1: Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. My, my assistant has gotten us even on TikTok, but I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's in there yet. No,
0: I know. I'm, I'm soon to get on there myself. You're going to (laughs) be fabulous on that platform.
1: I I delegate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, you're going to, you're going to make some great videos for there. I can see it. So I want to thank you, Joan Michelson so so much for joining us and fleshing out all of these concepts with our listeners myself included it's been fantastic
1: well thank you for the work that you do and thank you for letting creating a space where people can celebrate their edginess and their creativity and their being who they are you know there's there i have a yeah i have a client who likes to say The universe thought you were a really good idea to be on the planet right now. Love that. So embrace that. Indeed,
0: amen. And I want to thank all of you who are listening in. You can go to sandrabargeman.com. You can go to Amazon, a variety of places to get the original recording of The Edge of Every Day. And remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you again, Joan. Have a great night. Till next Monday. Take good care.